Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hey everyone. Hi, how are we? I am being lazy. I'm recording this so late in the day, like at 5 p.m. on Saturday. I like to be done recording Feathers by, honestly, ideally like 11 a.m. on Saturday. My best Saturdays are always when I wake up early and I get it done. Well, really, my best Saturdays are when I record Feathers on Friday, but (laughs) it just doesn't happen. You know, it just really, uh, my weekend would always be better if I did that, but I just don't. But today I woke, I slept like shit last night, first of all. I woke up, I did one episode of notes. Oh, also, I like didn't do my notes until this morning. I woke up, I listed something on Poshmark, I did one episode of notes, then I went back to bed for two hours, then I woke up, then I did laundry, cleaned my room, like just basically did everything except for this podcast. I took the second episode worth of notes, and that's where we are. I also just booked my ticket to see Glass Onion on Wednesday, the new Knives Out movie. I'm really excited. It's only in theaters for a week, and then it'll be on Netflix, but I, I mean, I've definitely talked about this before. I just, I do so much better watching movies in the theater because of my ADHD, because I'm addicted to my cell phone. Just sitting in the theater and watching a movie is always going to be a thousand times better for me than watching it at home. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Um, I also, I really want to go see After Sun, which is only playing like 45, well, like 40 minutes away from me. The normal theater I go to is like 25 minutes away. And I'm like, well, is it that much more? <laughs> I might go see it at 11 a.m. tomorrow. I am an AMC A-list uh, member, which is kind of new for me because I usually am a real girly, but I like the AMC package better. And my plan is just kind of keep it through probably through the end of January. And then I'll probably cancel it until next fall because I really (laughs) only watch movies during like Oscar season. I don't like action movies. I don't like superhero movies. It's rare I'm going to the movies for the majority of the year. And then when I am going to the movies, I'm seeing everything that I can um, and going as often as possible. So I'm really excited for Glass Onion. I'm really excited for Fablemans. I saw the Banshees of I think it's called the Banshees of Ironess. Honestly, I'd have to look it up. Uh, but the new Colin Farrell movie, it was good. <laughs> it was, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting. I've definitely talked about how I like to go into a movie like not knowing anything that's going on. And <laughs> also it was like kind of a bad theater or like experience. Two people behind me were talking a lot. And then one woman sobbed through the last 30 minutes of this movie that was not that sad like and when I I cry I am a crier you guys know that I cry on this podcast at least once a month but when I tell you loudly sobbed through the last 30 minutes (laughs) also you saw this guy's penis a couple times and the woman sitting next to me was like ah oh my god oh my god and like covering her eyes each time I'm like can you grow up (laughs) it's fine it's fine to see a man's penis you're okay Uh, But it was, I would definitely recommend seeing the movie, I guess, especially I'm really glad I saw it in theaters because that shit was slow in a way that is fine and I like, but at home I would have been on my phone. So 
that's my movie update. Hopefully, like I said, I'll see Glass Onion this week. Maybe also Fablemans. Um, I'm going to the shore for Thanksgiving. Lately, I've been going to my best friends in Virginia for Thanksgiving and like taking the whole week, but she's going on vacation. So she's not going to be there. So I'm going to Cousin Julia's parents' house with Julia and her husband and her parents and my dad and stepmom. They do Thanksgiving together every year. I've been a couple times. My Aunt Sue, Julia's mom, is like an amazing, amazing cook. Really a chef, honestly. Cook feels undervalued for what she is. Julia is also, I don't know if I've talked about this, Julia is an amazing cook. She makes amazing food. And so I'm really looking forward to it. I had a free night from Hotels.com because if you book 10 hotels from Hotels.com, you get a free night, which I've I don't know. It's like eight years in the making. (laughs) I don't go to hotels that often. And I also don't book through Hotels.com that often. It's really better to book with the website because if they have, like if they're ever booked, they bump the third party places right away or they're the first to get bumped. So I booked myself a night at like the luxury hotel on the island um, because I sleep on a futon at my dad's apartment. I was going to ask to say with Julia and then I was like, oh, I should use that freehotels.com night because it's off season. So the off season rate was basically just a, like maybe $20 more than what my voucher was for. So I'm going to stay at the really nice hotel on Thanksgiving. So I'm just, I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's a nice holiday. I am planning on doing feathers next week because I'm not going to be out of town and I have just like a pretty normal weekend going on. So I should be here unless, I don't know. I get like a last minute trip. (laughs) Let's say I take a last minute vacation. Um, You know, I think I'll be here. I think I will be here next week. But besides that, that's my little life update. I know there are people that fucking hate it when I talk about my personal life on here. You can read my podcast reviews. (laughs) There are people that really fucking hate it when I mention myself in any context on this podcast. But unfortunately... This is my podcast. <laughs> oh, one more self-plug. Go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. Listen to my Patreon. There are so many fucking episodes on there. Uh, last week, I did an episode on Selena Gomez's documentary, Me and My Mind, which was, or My Mind and Me, I think it was called. It was a celebrity documentary. Um, I thought it was going to be like... <laughs> I don't know why I thought this. Oh, I do know because I read a Rolling Stone interview with Selena that came out a couple days before the documentary in which she was like, I didn't have final cut. I almost like revoked the right to release this last minute because it's so raw. The stuff they're talking about in the Rolling Stone interview is really interesting. And I thought we were going to be seeing her like walking around her house, like having some sort of break on camera. Like, I don't I don't know what I was expecting, but we didn't get that. It was pretty good for a celebrity documentary. It was pretty good. And so I talked about that. I think this week I'm going to do Sister Wives because I haven't popped in on Sister Wives in a couple weeks. And I'm just obsessed with it. As I say every week on this podcast, if you're not watching Sister Wives, I'm not sure what you're doing. Buckle in. Watch 17 seasons. <laughs> Really, you could watch like the first season, half of the second season when they move to Vegas, then skip ahead until when they get like they start building the houses in Vegas, then skip ahead to when they move into the houses in Vegas. Then maybe watch like one or two of those seasons 
then watch them moving to Flagstaff, and then watch this season. That's, like, not that much reality TV to watch, you know? <laughs> oh, gosh. But, yeah, patreon.com slash Liz Explains to hear me talk about Cody Brown in the manosphere. Yo, Cody Brown is, like, a men's right activist, like, truly hanging out online in men's right activist spaces, a space he calls the manosphere. And the stuff that he says about divorce is really alarming, especially because he's not legally married to Christine. Anyway, nothing really happened in Team Mom World this week. It's been a slow news week. Still no baby from Kale. Will Kale have a baby? Will Kale not have a baby? You know, the world may never know. <laughs> like, there are more pictures that came out where she looks pregnant, but also maybe she's not pregnant. I... There's just, like, nothing to say until maybe February. Either we're going to have a baby or we're not going to have a baby. And if there's no baby by, like, February or March, I think we can pretty safely say there's no baby. But I guess time will tell, right? Lauren and Javi are back together. We did talk about that, right? (sighs) Lauren, girly, you're making a bad choice. You're making a really bad choice, but... You know, it's your choice to make, not mine, as crazy as that seems. <laughs> no more news on the Lee and Jalen front, which is a bummer. I want to know more about it. I can't believe that she would sign an NDA for him. That really makes me angry. How dare you be on a reality television show about your life, feature your entire fucking relationship, and then sign an NDA so you can't talk about the demise of it that happened extremely suddenly on the show. I'm really curious, like, how they're going to show that on TV because we're going to see the proposal. There's no way that wasn't filmed. We're going to see, I bet, him going on that little trip where he went ring shopping and took those pictures and sold them to People Magazine. Like, I bet we're going to see that. We're going to see everything. We've seen every moment of this fucking relationship. And we're not going to see them break up or have Leah explain why they broke up. She's just going to get on camera and be like, Jalen and I agreed not to talk about it. And then we're going to pretend that she didn't just spend the last 14 months of her life in this extremely serious relationship. MTV should fire her for that. You know what? You know what I'm going to say? MTV should fire her for that. Oh, I need to tell you this. Okay, so for, I'm in a class, like a family therapy class. It's really interesting. I really love my professor. Once she said that she sat next to Michael Lohan on a plane and he invited her to a party and she went and then like didn't elaborate on it further. And it's honestly almost all I think about (laughs) whenever I'm in her class. We had to write a paper on a family and basically It was a really long paper. I think I talked about this on here. Definitely like one of the longest I've written in grad school. I chose to write mine on Caitlin and Tyler uh, because I wanted to talk about adoption since that's what I'm doing in my internship this year. And I got the paper back. I got 100. And she wrote like a really nice message about it and was like, oh, my God, I want to watch Team Mom now. She actually wrote LOL. (laughs) I post that on Instagram and someone's like, did your teacher say LOL? I'm like, yeah, we're social workers. Social workers are casual. We'll co- we're colleagues. <laughs> I'm not a social worker at all. <laughs> but it was, I thought, a really good paper. I was glad that she liked it. And I was like laughing that she wanted to do Teen Mom. So we, each week in class, 
two one or two people will present like a a clip depicting family in the media so like from a tv show or a movie no one has done reality tv yet which is crazy to me honestly a lot of the clips are from disney movies which i like can't roll my eyes out anymore although i get it because disney movies are essentially about families right like it's what disney movies are about so they're a really easy target i think um we got one from the movie hustle and flow remember that the class was really excited when that one came up uh we've gotten a couple from like cartoons but no reality tv which is truly shocking to me I decided, of course, I was going to go with Teen Mom. And of course, I was going to go with Barbara and Janelle. Because what are we doing here if we're not talking about Barbara and Janelle? So I showed it was my turn to show a clip this week. And it just, of course, happened to be the week we got the paperback, which is we turned this paper in quite a while ago. I love, love, love this teacher in class and listening to her lecture. And she's very funny and smart. And she's great. She takes a long time to give stuff back. We like went into week 12 without a grade, which is... (laughs) Not not my favorite way to be in class. So I showed a clip of Janelle and Barbara fighting about, if you'll remember when Jace was calling Barbara mom or like mommy and Janelle flipped out. They're screaming at each other. Janelle screaming, I'm the mother. It's, I think, a really great clip to discuss because it's like dysfunctional families, intergenerational, like raising of children, drug addiction, like it has everything there, right? And so I did that one and we were having a guest speaker that night and we were on Zoom because most of my classes are on Zoom these days, which like, honestly, at this point, I prefer if we on Tuesdays, I have class back to back and that would mean I'd be on campus from 425 p.m. until after 10 o'clock at night. It's such a long fucking day and I work all day like I go from work to campus. And so being able to do it on Zoom is significantly easier for me uh, because I can like lay down in between classes <laughs> and I can do it wherever I want in my house and I'm I'm just used to Zoom school now. So he had come on like right before I did my clip. I didn't even really realize he was there and he was like, oh, I was actually approached to do like they were going to take them all to like a ranch and do some sort of like therapy thing with them and me and there's one other girl in the class who I did like zoom dm and I was like I have a two mom podcast so if you're listening hi (laughs) but this guy was like oh my god they asked me like I was in talks to be the therapist on that show. And me and the other girl were like, they did the show. It was called T-Mom Family Reunion. And he said that they backed out because he was like asking too many questions about money. But like, it's just so funny to me. And once he was speaking, I was like, oh, my God, I totally can see why they wanted this guy. He's like pretty young. He's handsome. He's incredibly smooth. He's really smart. He runs like a men's group in Philadelphia. So I'm sure they were thinking like, oh, he'd be so great with the dads. I just and we also talked about like how he would be able to do it like licensing wise. And the fact that we were talking about how they call a lot of times now on these shows like the therapist life coaches. And he was saying that's probably to get around licensing issues. And so, yeah, I was like, very close to somebody who is almost on Teen Mom. <laughs> oh, that story doesn't actually like have any 
impact on anything. But I did think it was very interesting that they were reaching out to a male therapist because usually there are women therapists on the show. Although I guess Dr. Drew, who we all know is not a therapist, but I would I thought the therapist or the life coach, whatever they had for family reunion was actually pretty good. And I would like to see her more. I wonder if she did like the family reunion, the family family reunion. (laughs) That's a problem with them calling the first season family reunion because now the new one is about families and we can't just call it family reunion because we already did that. So I don't know. We'll see what it's called. But that's my big teen mom news of the week is that I showed a clip in class and our guest speaker said that he was contacted. (laughs) to be a therapist on Team Mom Family Reunion. Anyway, uh, I am doing throwbacks this week. We are in season five. I do want to let you know that Paramount Plus described we're doing episodes three and four. And episode four was described as a spectacular episode. Was it? No. I mean, it was good. There was absolutely nothing that unique about this episode. So I'm not really sure why (laughs) Paramount Plus was calling it a spectacular episode. But do you guys know that Paramount Plus has like all of the old Teen Mom seasons? Um, If you don't know, now you know. I am a Paramount Plus head, unfortunately, because I like the good fight. Well, really, I love the good wife. And I like to be able to watch episodes of the good wife. But then I also like the good fight. Kind of. It gets really bad. I'm going to watch a final season, but they do have, I don't know what season it goes through, but they have a lot of Teen Mom episodes on there. So if you want to watch old seasons, I definitely recommend signing up for Paramount Plus for a minute. It used to be CBS All Access, but yeah, it was not a spectacular episode, but the episodes were good. They were throwback good. While I was watching this, though, I was thinking, I think I might want to detour into some old Teen Mom OG. And I am thinking Matt, because I want to talk about Matt. Matt posted on Instagram for the first time in years, and I'm like scrolling down my Instagram feed, and it was a true jump scare to see Matt come up. But I want to talk about Matt's early episodes. I think I have recapped some of them. I specifically remember Tomlin and I doing an episode when Farah comes back on the show, right? I like I... I remember us recapping that, but I don't think I've done like a ton of those Teen Mom OG episodes. So I think I might take a little detour into Teen Mom OG land, the coming back from the hiatus when they break the fourth wall. We're missing Farah for the first couple episodes. I also want to talk about Farah. Farah's been on my heart, if you will, in that uh, she's like been coming up. Sophia's been coming up on my. <laughs> TikTok occasionally. And I am very fascinated by how much like Farrah seems to let Sophia self-identify and like dress in a way that is so not Farrah. Like Sophia's little emo, she wears like heavy black eyeliner and has this short black hair and dresses in all black, which I love. It's so, so funny because she looks just so much bigger than we've seen her. And I'm surprised that Farah lets her dress so independently, I guess I would say. I'm also curious what Sophia in 2022 sounds like. 
uh, because we have not seen her on TV in so long, and really the last time she was on TV, she was still kind of talking like a baby, which I think was more a result of the way that Farah and like Deborah and Michael talked to her than a result of how she actually spoke. I wouldn't be surprised if in school she spoke like much more age appropriate. I think she's just mimicking the way that Farah talked to her. But I'm definitely curious, like, what Sophia sounds like these days. I probably could find it. There's probably Instagram videos and TikToks and YouTubes. But I want, like, more than just, like, a curated, edited thing. Like, I want, I mean, MTV is edited. But I would be interested to see, like, how Sophia is, if that makes sense. Just because she was the one that... I worry about a lot, (laughs) but I am glad to see at least that Farah lets her be herself. So yeah, I've been wanting to talk about Farah. I'm really interested in Farah, where she's been, what she's doing. Uh, I think her house caught on fire, her apartment caught on fire recently, and I think I would like to just slip back into Team Mom OG for a little bit. I wish we could do that without visiting Macy. (laughs) But unfortunately, we will have to visit Macy, although that is peak Ryan Edwards getting addicted to drugs. So, you know, win some, you lose some. Are they going to bring the Edwards back on next chapter? Like, what are we doing here? Can we check in with those motherfuckers? What? Like, come on. Come on. Okay, let's get into these throwbacks right after a quick break. Okay, so let's start with Kaylin, who is 23 weeks pregnant, I think she says, they say at this point, with who we now know to be Lincoln. Her and Isaac go to the OBGYN, and there's, it's very cute. Isaac keeps saying, like, get the baby out now. (laughs) And she, well, there's also a weird moment where the doctor comes in. I didn't like this doctor, he goes, (laughs) gaining a pound and a half a week. You think that's okay? It's like said in such a gross way. I don't know. Kale's like, yeah, like, look, I get it. You're not supposed to gain that much weight when you're pregnant, blah, 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 blah. But I don't, if I was a doctor, first of all, and I was like filming a doctor's appointment, I don't think I would walk in and like one of the first thing I say is shitting on someone for their weight personally. Uh, it just, I, the way, the tone of voice, I didn't like him. Uh, Kale makes a big to-do about making sure that he doesn't show the baby's sex because remember, Kale, well, I guess that's not true. I was going to say Kale never finds out, but she did find out with, what's the last one's called? Creed? (laughs) Totally just blanked on his name. She did find out with Creed, right? Because I remember they did that little gender reveal photo shoot, but she didn't with Isaac Lincoln or Lux, I believe. I don't think she did with Lux. Not to my memory. Now they're talking about this wedding. If you'll remember, they get married at the end of this season. They get married at the Camden Aquarium, which is cool in theory, but their wedding is ugly. They're already legally married, but clearly MTV was like, hey, if you want to get married, we'll pay for a wedding. You got to do it this season. So even though you still have braces on your teeth and you will be 30 plus weeks pregnant, we think that you should be doing it now. Kale, 
she looks so bad at the wedding and that is so mean to say but I'm sorry it is the truth and it's not because she's pregnant I mean the braces braces are ugly I'm sorry I say this is someone that had braces for like truly 11 years of my life and I'll I should probably get them again honestly braces are not cute her dress was not great she looked uncomfortable Javi is Javi it just was it wasn't a good wedding okay it wasn't a good wedding so they're still waiting for a court date to see if she's allowed to move to Delaware because if you'll remember she had a court date. They went in front of the judge. They did the whole thing. And then they decided that that county didn't actually have jurisdiction, which is crazy. Um, So they had to basically refile in a different county. And they're still waiting, I think, to even hear about the court date. I don't even think a court date is set at this point. But Kale is six months pregnant. Javi is fully living in Delaware uh, because he's working at the Dover base. He's coming home every weekend, I guess, but they're paying for the rent in Pennsylvania as well as a rent on an apartment in Delaware, I think. She says two rents. I'm surprised he doesn't live on base, but I don't I don't really know how that works, honestly. I also don't care that much how that works. <laughs> you don't need to DM me to explain how it works because they move into a new house very shortly and I don't actually... I'm not that curious, but Kale says that they're paying for two rents. So she's supposed to be dropping Isaac off with Joe and she's supposed to get there, I guess, at seven o'clock. And he texts her at like 645 and is like, I'm not going to be there at seven for drop off. She's dropping him off at his parents' house. She has Isaac in the car like she's going to drop him off. And she's like, "Okay, so when are you going to be there? And he's like between 730 and eight. And so she had plans to meet her friends for dinner. She calls Javi and she's like, yeah, what the fuck? Joe just texted me that he's not going to be there. And Javi's like, well, why would you drop him off if his parent isn't there? You should keep him. You should tell the lawyer that you're doing it and you can bring him over when Joe gets there. So Kale's like, yep, yep, that's what I want to do. So she brings Isaac out for dinner with her friends. And while they're there, Joe finally texts her to be like, "Uh, where are you? I'm here. Like, why isn't Isaac here, you're cutting into my time. And she, Kale is, she's on one. Joe being 35 minutes late, Kale's like, I mean, it's clear he doesn't really want to spend time with Isaac anyway. I don't see why it's an issue that I moved to Delaware because Joe is the one that's not spending time with his son. It's like Kale. I get the point that she's trying to make that it's like fucking annoying that Joe has moved to New Jersey and that him living that far away is why he's not there at seven o'clock. But Kale's acting like because Joe is 30 minutes late for this visitation, which like technically like I do understand. I do agree that like if the other parent is not going to be there, I get not wanting to do visitation. This is like a very common thing in custody cases, right, where they have like the right of first refusal. So like if a parent is going away, the other parent gets the first right to babysit them, even if it's not their custody time, blah, blah, blah. But he's going to his grandparents' house where he spends the entire visit. If there is somebody home and Joe's going to be a half hour late, it's crazy to me that Kale didn't just take him over there. And I mean, I know why she didn't do it because she thinks like this is going to be some magical way for her to be allowed to move. And look, 
Kale is allowed to move in the end. I believe we see in the next episode them moving and it's before they get permission. She basically says in the second episode, like, I'm moving. I don't really give a fuck what the court says. But Kale, when she is like determined to latch onto something, is so annoying. <laughs> there is like nobody that is more set in her ways than Kale because she like decides that this thing needs to happen. And then every tiny little thing that goes against that she will use against you forever and joe being a half hour late is not that big of a deal he texts her and he's like you're cutting into my time like he should be here and kale's like i'll bring him when i'm ready so i guess she drops off isaac at like 8 30 um they have a little back and forth when she drops him off well first he texts her and he's like you're an hour and a half late like you're an hour and a half past my time and Kale's like, well, you're the one that was late. And he writes back, I would think you were dumb if I didn't know better, which is rude. Um, And when she drops him off, Isaac like goes inside to play and they're kind of going back and forth about when he should have been there. And Kale's like, you know what? This is stupid. Like, I'm not fighting with you. I'm going to leave. And after she walks away, she's out of hearing range but he says this on mic on camera and remember Kayla is like 23 weeks pregnant Joe goes I hope her fucking water breaks tonight what what that is a wild fucking thing to say and maybe he doesn't know exactly how pregnant she is right but he knows she is not 40 weeks pregnant he is essentially wishing for her baby to die. Like, my jaw dropped. I did not remember this happening. I feel like this does not get brought up a lot in, like, you know, the the constant Team Mom fandom thing, which obviously I love to revel in as well, where we run down every bad thing anybody's ever done and hold it against them forever. The fact that we don't bring up the fact that Joe says on camera, I hope your fucking water breaks tonight to somebody who is 23-ish weeks pregnant is absolutely wild to me. That's, it's just so beyond fucked up to say that. I can't, I can't imagine ever wishing that on someone. The fight they're having is not that big of a deal. That's the other thing. Like, they're fighting over like an hour and a half worth of time. And yeah, I know the greater fight is about if he's going to move to Delaware or not, blah, blah, blah. But like, they barely even go back and forth in this scene. Kale is really, she doesn't escalate this. She does not raise her voice. Once they kind of start fighting, Kale's like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm going to walk away, which she has gotten so much better at. I've noticed like, from season two-ish to now, she's gotten way better at being like, now is in season five. I'm not fighting with you. I'm not going to let this escalate, which is good. Proud of her for that. I hope your fucking water breaks. I, It's such a nasty thing. I can't imagine ever wishing that on a person, like in a negative way, ever. Even if somebody was 39 weeks pregnant, I can't imagine being like, Ugh, I hope your fucking water breaks tonight. It's so, it's so, so, so gross. It's so gross. Oh, it, like, that was jaw-dropping to me. Fuck you, Joe, for that one, for real. So in the second episode, they are looking for houses in Delaware, and basically they decide they're going to buy a house. (laughs) They're like, well, fuck it. You know, we like this house. It's a cute little house. It's the first house they moved to in Delaware. 
I think they still own it technically. Or Javi owns it. I think in the divorce, he got this house and she got the next house that they move into. It's a cute little, what I would have called, like what my parents would have called a starter house, which I don't think a starter house is a thing anymore. (laughs) I don't think we call any house a starter house anymore when starter houses cost $500,000. I just don't think that's the word that we use. But it's cute. Four bedroom, two bath. They have a a nice little backyard. When they go and look in person, I did have a moment of like, wow, good for Kale. Like, did she get her money through MTV? Yeah. But I mean, I think she worked for every cent. I know people, if she didn't have MTV, she wouldn't have any money. I never really get like why people say that because it's like, okay, but she does have MTV. <laughs> like, anytime I see, and I get why, actually, I know why they're saying it. it's because they're point is that these moms didn't actually do anything to deserve this money and they got lucky. Um, My argument would be that most people who have money get lucky, right? Because they're fucking born into it or they happen to be born really smart or they happen to like there's it's luck is almost always involved. You're in the right place at the right time. You like kind of luck into a job maybe you're not super qualified for and that sets off the rest of your career. Like Kale, Audition for a show, she got picked, and then she got cast on the spinoff series of it, and then was the star of that for 10 seasons. I just don't get the exercise of like, well, if they didn't do this, they wouldn't have this. And it's like, okay, well, like, if I didn't start a podcast, I wouldn't be doing grad school. I don't know. But I like, but I did. I did it. So now I have that money. And I feel that way for most people. Like, okay, well, if you didn't go to this school, you wouldn't have this job. But it's like, but they did go to that school. And I guess the argument is like there's work behind school, which of course there is. And there's not work behind what Kale did for Teen Mom. But like, I would, I could never, I could never, ever, ever take the scrutiny that these women take. So I look at her, look at this home that she's, Bought with her husband. Look, is this a good marriage? No, but bear with me here. She has married. She is pregnant after getting married. She's married into a family that she thinks is exactly what she wanted, right? She has a husband that's in the Air Force. He's starting a really good career. He has a super, super involved family. The extended family seems to love her at this point. They are all about Isaac. They love Isaac so much. They're so excited for this baby. Everything that Kale has wanted has come true. And like you have to applaud someone for that. Now, were these the best choices she's ever made? No, of course not. Should she have married Javi just to get this like ideal thing that she thought she wanted? No, of course not. Kale is also like 21 years old. (laughs) She's so fucking young at this. It's hard to remember. Chelsea turns 22 in these episodes. So I'm guessing Kale's 21, 22, and I think Chelsea was a year older than most of them because she's 18 when Aubrey's born. Um, so I I think Kale is 21, if not 20, in these episodes. And she's driving a pretty decent-looking SUV. She has a husband that seemingly loves her, and she tolerates him. She has a son that she 
loves. She has another baby, which she's really excited about. She's in school to do the dental assistant thing. And she's buying a house. Like she's buying a home for her kids. And we shit on these teen moms all of the time. And it's almost always deserved, right? The thing is like, and I'm not saying that money makes someone a good parent. Please, please understand that I'm not saying that. But if you look at the life that Kale's children have versus the life that she had as a child, I think you could argue that Kale probably emotionally, I mean, no, because I think Susie was way worse than Kale ever is, but Kale had a lot of instability as a child is what I'm trying to say. And her kids have a lot of instability, right? Like just by nature of the choices that Kale makes. But at least they live in a home. And yeah, you can say they move all the time. They fucking don't. I'm tired of people saying that. She made that mistake of moving to Delaware or moving to Middleton or whatever, but she course corrected on that. They really haven't lived in that many places, uh, especially compared to people like the way that Kale grew up where she was moving every year. Caitlin, who lived in like 18 different homes by the time she was 12, like they really don't move that much. And when they do move, it's they stay in the same school district, like Nothing really about their lives changes that much when they move. Go read Leah's book to like listen to her explain what going to a new school every six months was like. You know, like Kale's boys just don't have a life like that at all. And my professor, when she read my paper and then when we were talking about the clip in class, did say like, you know, the thing with like these teen moms from what I tell from your paper and then what we're seeing on this clip, like... It's so remarkable what a difference money can make and how quickly money makes that change. And it's true. Like, Kale has given her children a life that she could never have imagined as a child. Is it perfect? Not even close. Are her kids probably still going to have some serious issues because of her personal life choices? Absolutely. Are her children being exploited on television? Absolutely. But as far as, like, stability, like... I guess what I'm trying to say is, I I know I'm like talking around the point, I'm talking around the point, but like Kale had all of those issues, plus she was also poor. And when you have all of these issues, but you have money, these issues aren't quite as hard to deal with. And so for Kale, who in this episode is like looking at a home she's about to buy, I would wonder if Susie ever owned a home. I would be surprised to hear Susie ever owned a home in her reliable car with the school that she's paying for, probably out of pocket, not even needing to take out loans to pay for, with the family that she thinks she wants, like, that's pretty remarkable. And it happened when she's really young. And Isaac is really young. And she's moving him into this, like, nice situation when Isaac is, like, four years old. And I don't know, I think you should give credit for that. I really do. And like I said, I'm not saying that this having money makes somebody a good parent because I had parents with money and guess what? They were not very good parents. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying in any way, shape or form. But you cannot deny that poverty makes everything significantly worse. Significantly worse. Poverty is like the number one public health crisis in America. Like poverty destroys lives and at least you have resources when you have money that you do not have when you are poor. And you can look at it from my childhood. 
I had so much fucked up shit going on, but like I still got tested for learning disabilities and went to very private, ex- expensive, uh, very private, expensive, very expensive private schools for kids with learning disabilities. So then eventually I was able to succeed in school and like, and imagine if I had my shitty parents plus we were poor. I probably wouldn't have graduated from high school, to be honest. Like, I I don't know if I would have graduated from high school because I don't know if I ever would have been, if anybody would have paid the thousands and thousands of dollars it costs to get the full, like, diagnosis of the learning disabilities. It was a three-day, it took three days. It's a three-day test. It's thousands of dollars. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I would have graduated from high school if my parents didn't have the resources to get me help with my education. So yeah, it's not like I had a good childhood or I had a good adolescence or good young adulthood, but I was in a much better position than I would have been if I grew up in poverty. And I do feel like people are so quick to be like, just because I have money doesn't mean they're a good parent, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, I mean, in some ways... It does mean that their children have a decent life. You know, like having food on the table, having a stable home, having the clothes, having the resources to go on vacation, having the resources to get help in school, like that does make for a better childhood. It just does. Because someone like Kale, who grew up with the alcoholic parents, but also broke, that's a really hard position to be in. So you know, we can say a million things about Kale, but I, she's done okay. She's done okay with her life. All things considered, <laughs> they are going to buy this house, even though the court has not told them. And Kale's just not going to tell Joe. She's like, well, we're still going to be there as long as Isaac shows up for his visits. I don't see the issue. And like, yes, that's true. Right? Like, that's pretty much true. As long as Joe's time isn't interrupted, it doesn't really matter where Isaac is when he's not with Joe. But we see why it's an issue because it becomes an issue once she moves to Delaware because she does not want to drive two hours on Fridays there and then back and then on Sundays or however, whenever he's with Joe to pick him up and then to come back. Like, she's... It's not that she's moving that far, right? But it's a pretty significant difference when you have to do the drive both ways multiple times a week. And so she's like, it doesn't as long as long as we're there for that. And it's like, well, you're gonna have an infant. You guys all want to get in the car two times a week to drive four hours round trip? No, you don't want to do that. And that's why eventually I think and well, eventually Joe moves to Delaware, as we all know, but I'm pretty sure they like change like the pickup, like Joe has to start meeting them because the judge eventually does approve the move. It's just after Kale is there. <laughs> She's very much like, I don't know, we'll deal with it. <laughs> like, What will happen if the judge says no? I don't know. We'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. <laughs> She's like, I guess we'll just sell this place then. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. All right, let's talk about Chelsea, little Chelsea, who has decided she wants things with Adam to be better. And this definitely must be when she had sex with Adam when Taylor was pregnant. That makes total sense to me because suddenly she's like texting Adam to be at these events and she's saying how much she wants Adam to be a better parent to Aubrey. And I do 
believe that she wants Adam to be a better parent to Aubrey. Of course she wants Adam to be a better parent to Aubrey. But do I think she's more motivated to facilitate that happening if her and Adam in a, are in a place where they're sleeping together? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course I do. Uh, she has to drop Aubrey off with her mom. And I did notice, and I think I've talked about this before, but like her mom has so many crosses on her wall. Randy has so many crosses in his home. I get that it's just like a design aesthetic, but are they religious? Like, did Chelsea grow up in a religious family? Did they go to church? Because Chelsea isn't religious. Like, we've never seen her be religious on this show. And I don't think any of the kid, like, I don't think in the subsequent years, like, I don't think they go to church, not even on Christmas. Like, I, I don't know if they've ever talked about going to church. I know Aubrey went to church with her grandparents, Adam's parents, but like, Chelsea's never talked about going to church. Um, We've never heard Randy or Mary mention religion in any aspect, really. I know on her 16 pregnant, Randy said something about how they don't get abortions, but like, I don't know if that's actually religious-based. Do they just like crosses? Is it just a design choice? It could be, right? Like, it wouldn't shock me if that was the case. But there are so many crosses visible in Randy Mary's homes for people that don't really seem to be religious. (laughs) Uh, She drops Aubrey off so she can go to the preschool for, like, the introductory meeting. And she goes to her mom. She goes do I look okay? Do I look fat? I'm like, oh, oh gosh. I'm glad that we're moving away talking about ourselves like that. And I know not everybody is, and I know we not all are, blah, 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 blah. But I am glad we're at least becoming conscious of that, right? I'm moving towards body neutrality, or at least I'm trying to. So she invites Adam to go to this thing with her. And it's really funny. He pulls up (laughs) And he's wearing, um, like, a sleeveless cut-off shirt, like Nathan style. <laughs> she goes, oh, my God, we're going to be the youngest people there. And you come without sleeves. <laughs> and he's like, sorry, I'm not fake. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, they're flirting. They're having fun. They're going back and forth. After the meeting, they're, like, talking about how it went, and Aubrey goes, or Chelsea goes, okay, so we're going to have Aubrey's birthday party uh, on the 6th. And Adam goes, the 6th? That's three days early. And Chelsea, exasperated, goes, her birthday's on the 7th. <laughs> Adam didn't know his daughter's birthday. Oh, that's so fucked up. That's so fucked up. And she's kind of, like, laughing because she's into Adam at this point. Oh, Chelsea. This is, I'm so glad that this is truly the end of, like, Chelsea and Adam. It's so good that she gets him totally out of her life, basically. Uh, When she goes to pick up Aubrey at Mary's, Mary's like, so how was Adam? Did he say you looked nice? (laughs) What? (laughs) What? The things that Mary asks sometimes are, they're just really, really, they're really funny to me. And Mary's like, so do you think like this new baby's going to make him change? <laughs> no, Mary, we don't think so. So Chelsea Grace comes over. I feel like we haven't seen much of Chelsea Grace this season. Our girl Chelsea Grace and 
this is when Chelsea straight up says that she has sexual tension with Adam. She's like, I don't want to fuck him. But, like, we have tension. And she's like, sexual tension. <laughs> oh, gosh, Chels. Oh, gosh. Uh, Chelsea Grace asks, have you and A-D-A-M talked about the baby? <laughs> and Chelsea is... Whew, not in a good place still with this. As I talked about last time we talked about these, Chelsea, everything she says about Paisley is so bad. It's so bad. It's stuff that should have been said off camera in private. I don't think it's unreasonable the way that she was feeling. But it should not have been said out loud because that is a real child who is your child's sibling. Uh, even though you don't want them to be your child's sibling. Because she straight up says to Chelsea Grace, Chelsea's like, no, I don't care about the baby. And she goes, I don't want this to have anything to do with my child. And Chelsea Grace is like, but it does. <laughs> you can tell Chelsea Grace is like, girl, what? <laughs> She's like, well, I don't want to have kids until I'm settled down and I'm married. And then Aubrey will know what it's like to have a family. And like, she's never even going to see this baby. Which... Once again, it is true. She's not going to see this child that much because she doesn't see her dad that much. But the fact that Chelsea, like, before this little baby is even born, is like, Aubrey's going to have nothing to do with that child. It's just, it makes me cringe. It it makes me cringe. So in the second episode, we get a scene of Chelsea at esthetician school with Megan, which, by the way, that is the original Megan. Did I talk about this yet? I, I was Googling because people in my Instagram comments were like, is it? Is it not? Like, we were all confused, basically. So I went on Google and it says Megan even went to esthetician school with Chelsea. Like after they lived together in season one, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, it is her. Okay, so this is the original Megan. She just seems to orbit Chelsea and Chelsea has nothing to do with her life, at least as shown on camera, because we've never once heard Chelsea ask this person about her partner, her child, her home. <laughs> but also that could 100% be MTV and editing and they just don't care about Megan's partner or child or home because why would we care, right? But Chelsea has to do a little test on a client and so she has her mom come in and Megan has her mom come in and they do these little like, I don't know, like practice tests, I guess. I'm assuming that's how you do tests in cosmetology school. You do them on actual people and they all go for lunch after the fact. And Donna's been like asking if Aubrey would want to like come over Donna as an Adam's mom would Aubrey want to come over and Chelsea's like well I was thinking I would just like send her over tonight and then I can get shopping done for Aubrey's birthday and she's like it's so stressful because it's like my birthday and then it's Aubrey's birthday and I was actually laughing about that because if you don't know her daughter uh, Lane was born on her birthday so I looked it up Chelsea's birthday is August 29th Lane's birthday is August 29th and then Aubrey's birthday is September 7th. But Watson's birthday is in February, I think, January or February. I think I think one of those, end of January, early February, I believe. So that's Watson's birthday. And then Walker was born on the same day, the last daughter. 
So it's funny that she's talking about this, like, oh, our birthdays are so close together because it just multiplies, like, the more kids she has. She likes to have matchy-matchy birthdays, I guess, with all the kids. Oh, my God. Cole posted. I don't know if you've seen these TikToks where it's like, I had my child film so I could see what it looked like. And the idea is, like, they think they're filming with the back camera, but it's actually the front facing camera. And so like, you can see the kids smiling as you're dancing around. And he did one with Lane. And oh my God, was that the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen? Oh, Lane is so fucking cute. She was laughing. She looks like a mix of Watson and Aubrey. They're so cute. Those kids are really fucking cute. If you like cute kids, go on Cole's TikTok and watch that because it really made me feel nice. Uh, Mary asked Chelsea how she feels about Adam's baby. And Chelsea's like, stop it. If you talk about this anymore, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. Chelsea has talked about the fact that it's frustrating because she'll tell her mom not to bring up Adam on camera. And then Mary brings up Adam on camera. But I think the producers tell her to ask about him. Like, I don't think Mary's doing it like out of spite. I think production's like, you need to ask Chelsea about the baby. That that would make sense to me. So we get a scene of Adam and Taylor go out for dinner. She's due any day. They're, Taylor's like, so you didn't really tell me about, like, the preschool orientation. And he's like, you know, it was fine. It was good. And then Taylor goes, well, you know, I hope, like, with the parent-teacher stuff, like, one day, like, I will be involved with that for Aubrey. And I'm like, oh, girly. Oh, girly girl. <laughs> She's like, because, you know, no matter what Chelsea wants, like, Paisley is going to be her sister. And I'm like, ugh, Adam has these two so fucked up. He has Chelsea and Taylor so fucked up hating each other when he should be the one that's hated. Adam is like, maybe when Chelsea grows up, she'll accept that. Adam's obsessed with talking about how Chelsea needs to grow up. He's the fucking worst. Um, she texts, Aubrey has her first day of preschool, so Chelsea texts Adam a picture, and he says he wants to go with Chelsea to pick up Aubrey, so he does, and they have, like, a little flirty moment. He's like, oh, by the way, happy birthday, because it's Chelsea's birthday, and she, like, hits him, and she's like, mm, I was wondering if you were going to ask, and I'm like, oh, Chelsea. There's just, like, nothing more pathetic than Chelsea going after Adam. It's so sad. It's a real mirror effect for me, I think, is, like, the biggest issue is that I used to be that way with people that treated me badly. And so it's really hard to watch. Like, the patheticness that comes off of Chelsea in these moments is really triggering to me. The final little part of Chelsea's segment is (laughs) Adam going, he's holding Aubrey and he's like, oh, maybe we can hang out later. And Chelsea's like, stop it. He's like, what? And she's like, Why do you do that? Like, it's my birthday. I have plans with Aubrey. She's not going to see you later. Yeah, Chelsea, because Adam is a loser. Stop flirting with him. All right, let's talk to Janelle. Let's go see Janelle. Uh, Janelle has court still coming up, but it's basically been decided that she's going to plead guilty to just possession of paraphernalia And she's going to get, like, a year to 18 months of unsupervised probation. She's talking with Nate about this. And Nate's like, so is there a chance that you'll go to jail? And Janelle goes, you know, there is a possibility I'll go to prison for eight months. (laughs) 
It's not funny, but it is. It really is. Nate's like, well, you know, I just want to support you. I want to be here for you. And Janelle's like, you're just like the best guy ever. You don't do drugs. You're the only guy I've ever known that doesn't do drugs. And I'm like, yeah, Janelle, welcome to dating an alcoholic. Congrats. Congrats. I'm really proud of you. You found a guy that doesn't do drugs, but surprise, surprise, he's an alcoholic. (laughs) It's not really any better just because he doesn't also do drugs. Uh, She's like, will you be able to like deal with me when I'm like having cravings and I'm going through it? And Nate's like, I'll never judge you for that. I'll never judge you for that. I'll only judge you if you relapse. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Get what he's trying to say, right? Like he's trying to say, you can act however you want as long as you don't do drugs again. Like I'm cool. But he's like, well, I'll only judge you if you actually do it. It's just, it sounds so insensitive the way he said it. It was really making me laugh. Uh, we see Dustin. Janelle goes to meet Dustin, and they're talking about like a felony, and Janelle goes. You know, I'm not oblivious to the felony because I've dated guys with them. <laughs> it's just funny the way that she says it. Um, it's time for Nathan to meet Barbara. So Janelle's at the house. She's like really talking Nate up. He's so great. He's so good. He's going to be so great. He lives in Myrtle Beach. Barbara's like, does he do drugs? And Janelle's like, he doesn't have a record. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. I'm trying to remember there was an issue with a DUI on base, on the military base. I thought, though, he already had, a, like, an on-street and a civilian DUI and a license suspension at this point. I'm pretty sure he did have a record. He also, don't forget, at this time, I don't know if we're, I talked about this last time we, I was going to say last week, but two weeks ago. When Janelle and Nathan met, like, he fully had a girlfriend. Her name was Allison. They lived together. And she had a daughter who was calling Nathan daddy. She was, like, two years old. I think they'd been living together for over a year. Like, they were fully in a relationship. (laughs) Then he kicked Allison out. And that's when Janelle moves in. But then they quickly have to move out again because... Nate gets evicted because I guess Allison and Nate weren't paying the rent, which of course, you know, is not not necessarily included on the show, but that's how it went down. Janelle is like, he's just so amazing. I actually want you to meet him. Can you believe it? I want you to meet him. I never want you to meet guys. Mm, Okay. So Nathan comes over and he's like, well, you know, I sell timeshares and I'm a part-time model. (laughs) Remember that when he was pretending he was a model? (laughs) at this point Nate says that Janelle should move in with him and she's like yeah I totally I totally think that's a good idea she's like my mom might move or might think we're moving too fast but like I think it'll be fine and he goes you know I don't think we're moving too fast we get along really well and I just I can't ever see us arguing oh my god (laughs) So in the second episode, she's like, Nate and I decided to get a new place instead of me moving into his. And it's like, well, that's like not really how it works. If Nate had a place, he would have a lease. But as I just explained, Nate had been evicted. That's why it worked this way. 
we get a scene of them moving in. Well, first she tells Barb and Barb is kind of like, oh, gosh, you know, this is moving too fast, but it, he seems like a good guy. So, OK, I'm going to go along with it. They get a cute little house. Those fucking huskies are there. If you'll remember, we get a scene of Janelle when she's pregnant and Nate is in jail, um, which, yeah, because she's pregnant like less than a year later and he's going to jail for stuff that happened, I'm pretty sure, before they got together. I'm going to have to relook at, like, the timeline of Nate's life because I haven't examined it in a little bit. But we all know that Nate's a mess. But those two Huskies, Rin and Mugen, they're puppies at this point. And if you'll remember, Janelle, like, abused them on camera. (sighs) That was the first time they had to throw up, like, the don't harm animals thing. God. Janelle and the history of abusing dogs. It's really not, it's not great. Uh, They definitely have different priorities when moving in. Janelle just wants to get all the shit in the house. Nate's like picking up dog shit because they're stepping in it. He then is like cleaning the floors and she's like, we don't have to clean right now, dude. Uh, Barbara and Jace come over to see the house and Barbara's really happy. They have a little scene talking about the dogs and Janelle goes, this one's name is Rin, and this one's name, Barb goes, Tin? Is it Tin? Like, Rin Tin Tin? <laughs> Janelle's like, what? No. <laughs> Janelle has no idea, like, what joke Barbara's trying to make. Barbara asks how much the rent is, and Janelle says it's $1,500. And I was like, oh, that seems reasonable for a two-bedroom house. But Barbara's like, what? And then I was like, oh, yeah, Her last house was like $900, but they live in Myrtle Beach. They live really close to the beach. So I guess $1,500 it is. What I would do to rent a two-bedroom house by the beach for $1,500. Now, I've never been to Myrtle Beach. I hear it's not that great, but I would bet prices are a little higher now. (laughs) You know, with the, the rent crisis that's happening in this country. Barbara's worried, but... She's like, that's so much money. And Janelle goes, yeah, well, you know, Nate's one of those guys that when you go to the resort, they try and sell you a timeshare. <laughs> that's her answer. So, like, Barbara's not like, so what does Nate do that he can afford this? Barbara's just like, it's expensive. <laughs> Nate quits that job very quickly. If you'll remember, I've always thought it's because Janelle doesn't want him to work. Janelle does not want her partner to have a job. Being Janelle's partner is a full-time job. She needs you to be there 24-7. It's how she is with every boyfriend she's ever had. And also, like, why would you work if Janelle and MTV are going to pay for all your shit? I probably wouldn't. It's a couple days later. They've set up the house. Barbara and uh, Jace are going to come over again. And... (laughs) Barbara walks in. She goes, oh, hi, Nathan. Hi, Nathan. Hi, Nathan. (laughs) Over and over. And they talk about if Janelle can have Jace overnight. And Barbara's like, yeah, you know, like, I want it to happen on a weekday so I don't have to pay for daycare every day. And I was like, you should not rely on Janelle for that. But she says that she feels comfortable with Jace going over there because 
Janelle's on the straight and narrow. She's not doing drugs. Nathan's straight. He doesn't do drugs. It's such an old person way to describe it. And then Nate says, you know, I think Janelle will do a lot better if she can, like, be with Jace more and really feel like his mother. And this is when Nate really starts to go. Like, from here on is when Nate really starts to go in on the, like, you should have Jace back with Janelle thing. And the grossest part about it is... I'll see this clip get posted like pretty regularly where it's like, here's Nate telling the truth and Nate's talking to Janelle and he's like, you shouldn't have Jace. It would be crazy of you to take him from Barbara. Barbara's all that he's ever known. But like that's after he spent years being like, you need to get Jace back. He should not be with Barbara. You're his mother. Nate is such a fucking asshole. He's such an asshole. Um, I love that like the only condition of Janelle's boyfriend being a good person is that he doesn't do drugs. Barbara's like, I don't have to worry about you guys smoking weed and Jace running out of the house. Also, Barbara, why are you going to let your grandson sleep at a home with a strange man that you have met three to four times that Janelle has known for a month? You're going to let Jace go stay the night over there? What are you fucking thinking, Barbara? Janelle, we know Janelle makes bad choices. Why? I'll never understand I don't want to say I'll never understand because I think I actually do understand why Barbara does this because I do think Barbara wants Janelle to take Jace. Like, in her heart, she wants that. She wants Jace to have a mother. She wants Janelle, her daughter that she loves very much, to be better and to be a good mother. She does not want to parent Jace. It's really hard. She's in her mid-60s at this point. She's paying for all of his expenses. Like, she wants this to work out and for Janelle to be able to get Jace just as much as Janelle wants it to work out and for her to be able to get Jace, right? Like, they both want the same thing. Barbara just happens to have a little more sense than Janelle does. And I say only a little because she's going to go let Jace spend the night at a home with this strange man in it which is so fucking dangerous. Statistics show it's so dangerous. And Barbara doesn't know this guy, but because he doesn't smoke weed, she's like, yeah, Jace can go spend the night there. Barb, I mean, at least, I mean, at least he doesn't go and live with them right away, I guess. (laughs) Okay, let's go to Leah, who has an extremely depressing two episodes. Oh, my God. So they go to see Dr. Sal, and I will say, like, it is heartwarming for me to see when they go to these appointments how many adults are there for Allie. Like, it's Leah, Jeremy, Corey, uh, Jeff, Corey's dad, and Corey's stepmom. And, like, usually Mama Dawn's there, Miranda's there sometimes. Like, it's really heartwarming that Allie has such a strong network of support. There are a million things wrong in the Messer-Simmer clan, right? Like a million things. Messer-Simmer? Messer-Sims clan. But there is something to be said about like how strong of a support network Leah has. It's not a perfect support network, but imagine if this was Kale. I mean, I guess Joe's parents would be there. Like, if it was Kale and Isaac, like, Joe's parents, Joe and his parents would be there. But I think Kale would be doing a lot of that alone. You know, there there are a lot of people on this show and just in life who are in similar situations and they don't have nearly as much support. So is a lot of the support toxic, maybe? Yes. 
But I also think it's like worth noting that at these doctor's visits, there's always like six to seven adults there supporting one child. And that's that's pretty great. Leah is starting to look like shit. Like this is it's very clear that this is when Leah is like getting deep into it. She's not brushing her hair. She's losing weight. She looks really pale. She's not really bothering to put on makeup. Like she just looks a lot worse than she did in previous seasons. And we know that this is when Leah is like getting deep into her drug addiction. So they go to Ohio for their appointment and Dr. Sal's basically like, we think she has a type of muscular dystrophy called Ulrich. We're pretty sure. He says like based on the heel, her heel formation is really common in that type of muscular dystrophy, but they want to do genetic testing so that they can like correctly identify the gene and it's just better to know. Uh, Leah's like, yeah, that that's fine. We're going to do it. We should know. Uh, they were like, what well, can you guarantee? He can't guarantee that they'll know, but they agree that they should at least try. And he says, though, that like she has muscular dystrophy, like they feel very sure of that. Corey's dad asks if there's a treatment and Dr. Sauce says no, which is heartbreaking. I, you know, I, I like, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine. It's really harrowing to find out that your child has a disability and then you ask if there's a treatment and they're like, no, there's, there's really not. We just like, it's just managing it. That's, it's really sad. And this is when Dr. Sauce says, like, she needs the power wheelchair for school. And thus begins the Allie Sims and the power wheelchair thing that we will be talking about for the rest of the time that this show is on air, right? We're still talking about this in 2022 with that house that Leah bought that is not handicap accessible whatsoever, seeming. I don't know if they're putting in stuff to make it more handicap accessible, but Lots and lots of stairs in that house. Lots and lots of stairs in the townhouse she was living in before she moved into that. From the one bedroom or like the the one floor ranch style that she bought specifically for Allie that they moved out of to move to a townhouse with many stairs. I don't know. But Dr. Sal really wants her to be using the wheelchair at school. Uh, Leah is like, well, I don't want her to lose what she has because she knows that she'll just be able to get in the chair if she gets tired so she won't try. And Dr. Sal was like, well... No, that's not really how it works. Um, oh, this is really, this episode is really hard to watch. I am trying to have a lot of empathy for all people involved here. And I, I think I do, but I am cringing through this. I'm keeping in mind, though, that this is 10 years ago, right, that this happened, that they are in so over their heads that they don't have any family members that have ever been through anything similar. They are not highly educated people in general. Leah barely has a high school degree, right? Like, I'm not sure anybody in their family has real medical knowledge. Um, that they, they just got, like, huge, devastating news. And watching them talk about it can be very difficult at times, especially through a 2022 lens. But I'm definitely, like, trying to remember that these are 21. Like, Leah's an a pretty uneducated 21-year-old in this, right? Like, she isn't so over her head. So they go out to lunch after, and they're trying to basically digest what's going on. And Corey, I like, I remember that Corey was hesitant for a lot of this stuff, but I kind of forgot 
how bad he was. Because he says, sure enough, he says, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with her. <laughs> Literally everybody at the table is like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, well, I just feel like one day she's going to be playing softball. He keeps talking about her playing softball, by the way. That, like, is his thing, which I get, right? Like, in moments of crisis, we all kind of latch on to certain things. And clearly his his thing that he's latching on to is Allie playing softball. Leah's like, well, yeah, but, like, realistically, we know that something is wrong. And, like, we need the doctor to figure out what exactly is wrong so that we can figure out how it affects her life. And Corey's just like, well, I I just don't want to accept it. And this is when Jeff, Corey's dad, is like, well, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter if we want to accept it or not. Like, we have to. And I am glad that Corey's in this, like, state of insane denial. But Leah's not, Jeremy is not, and Corey's parents aren't, which I think is really important, thankfully, that Jeff... I think it's always good that Jeff is there, um, especially because, well, we know that Corey doesn't go to these appointments a lot, but I think that Jeff has very level head, and I definitely think he's good at, like, being like, Corey, I heard what the doctor said, and you're not right. Like, I can't really imagine if he was relying on getting this information from Corey, and we know that Jeff is very involved in the girls' lives, so I'm glad that, like, he's hearing it firsthand, so Corey's not calling him up and being like, well, the doctor said nothing's wrong. I don't think anything's wrong. Like, Oh, it's really hard to watch Corey here. Corey, Corey needs therapy. As Leah, you know, has suggested in the past. <laughs> Jeff is like, you know, I just like really didn't see the wheelchair thing coming. And Jeremy's like, you know, I didn't really either. It was like really took us by surprise. And Leah's like, you know, I like thought it might be coming, but I just I really wanted to be wrong. Leah starts crying, then they pan to Corey and Corey looks like he's about to start crying. And I'm like, I just wish that Corey had access to something at this point in time that could have like helped him deal with his emotions because it's obviously he's devastated about his four year old daughter. I mean, they're getting a diagnosis with a scary prospect like people with muscular dystrophy don't live that long. I mean, they can. And I mean, we've heard like updated life statistics for people with uh, tightened muscular dystrophy, which is what Allie has, that are living into their 50s, 60s. That's amazing. I knew someone in Florida who had two brothers that were diagnosed as muscular dystrophy uh, when they were like five and six. And then they both died within like two or three years of each other when they were in their mid thirties, like it's fucking sad. I have a, a friend with muscular dystrophy. We've been friends since I was very little and he's been, I mean, completely paralyzed the whole time I've known him. And he's kind of like a medical rarity in that like he hasn't gotten worse. He's just kind of stayed the same. And I mean, he's my age, he's 34, but it's been, he's needed 24 seven round the clock care. And, like, needs oxygen to breathe uh, since and a feeding tube to eat since he was, like, six or seven. You know, that's a lifetime of full-time care. Like, they've gotten some devastating news, and I feel for Corey, and I understand why he's going immediately to, like, the I don't think anything's wrong. But I, I just wish that, I don't know, I don't think Miranda's maybe they're the best partner in this situation when it comes to this. Because at least from what we see on camera, I think she's very much like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he needed somebody to be like, 
there's something wrong and you need to say it. Like, that could really help him deal with this that he doesn't seem to get. Uh, he is in a much better place with it now, as far as we can tell, but it was tough there. So they're driving home. Before they leave, Allie gets fitted for the wheelchair, and this, like, throws Lee into a tailspin. She is sobbing the whole way home. It's so fucking sad. She texts Dawn, and she's like, how am I supposed to feel that my baby needs a wheelchair? And Dawn wrote back. She was like, sorry, baby. I don't know. I Like, I've never been there. I don't know. Ugh. And you know what? I will say, Jeremy is like shockingly pretty good throughout this whole thing. He's very much like, yeah, clearly something's wrong. This is really sad. But Leah, you have to deal with this. Like you have to deal with this. Leah's crying in the car and Jeremy's like, you have to be strong because Leah's like, I just can't deal. My dog, my girl's going to be in a wheelchair. My girl's going to be in a wheelchair. And Jeremy's like, that little girl is back there listening to you. And now look, I don't think it's always the best to tell people who are in crisis, like, you need to be strong. Because what the fuck does that even mean, right? What does it mean to be strong? It's such an abstract thing. Like, you just need to be strong right now. So does that mean you shouldn't feel your feelings? But I do think Jeremy was being like, you can do this. Because I think Leah has gone to, like, I can't do this land. And Jeremy recognizes this. And I thought it was really good that he reminded her, like, you need to be careful what you're saying because she's hearing everything that you're saying right now. And like all of these feelings and sadness and shit that you're going through is, I mean, obviously Jeremy didn't say this, but like all that is valid. But you also need to be aware that Allie's old enough, right? She's, they're four in this episode, I think, the twins. Allie is old enough to know what's going on. So you have to figure out a way to deal with this for Allie's sake. He, I was kind of surprised how good Jeremy seemed in like this whole doctor's visit. Oh gosh, it's so, it's so sad because Jeremy's like, you know what? We're they're gonna find the cure. They're gonna find the gene because they're doing the genetic testing, and they're gonna find a cure for it. And Leah goes, you know what? My future doesn't look so damn bright. Or my future with her doesn't look so damn bright. And she says, I mean, she catches herself. She's like, I mean, it does, but not the way you would want it to be. Oh, oh, gosh, it's so sad. I don't remember feeling that sad when I watched these in real time. But like this, this is really sad. And I can really see why Leah's like going deeper into drugs, right? Like, I can see, I, you guys all know, I believe that she was doing drugs before Addie was born, but she comes out of the hospital with a botch epidural. She gets a ton of pills from the doctor at the same time that her daughter's health is deteriorating and they're getting answers. And I think in some ways it, it's really good to have answers and Leah wants the answers, right? She's the one that's like, we have to get the testing. We have to know what this is. But at the same time, the answers are fucking devastating. And it's not surprising to me that her going deeper into the drug addiction and the spiral into the drug addiction is happening at the same time that she's getting told that her daughter needs a wheelchair and that she has muscular dystrophy, for sure. Poor Leah. Ugh. So Leah's just overwhelmed with the changes in the second episode. Jeremy has taken a job in 
Pennsylvania, but it's like 10 hours away from where they live. And Leah has decided that they need to move because they live in a house with like a black spiral staircase, which by the way, as a child, I thought a spiral staircase was so fucking chic. My friend Lizzie had one in her house, which I thought was like the coolest thing in the world. Um, somebody knew at the shore had one. Like, I just thought there was like nothing chicer in a home than a black spiral staircase. I'm like, this is the height of luxury. <laughs> now, I was like, they're so annoying to go up and down. I cannot imagine having one in my home. But like, oh my God, a black spiral staircase. The first time I'll never forget going over to my friend Lizzie's house in sixth grade and seeing the black spiral staircase, black spiral staircase and being like, <gasps> can we use it? Because it, um, her house had like an addition put on it before they moved in. That was like the, a big family room. And then upstairs was what they called like a game room, but it was like a great room or a rec room. And the spiral staircase went up to the game room, but there you could get to the game room via her mom's master bedroom. Like you could go up the regular stairs in their house. And then like, they basically put the addition off the like her mom's closet so you could walk up the regular stairs and just walk through her mom's room which is usually how we went because going up spiral staircases is fucking annoying but I was always like can we go up the staircase like (laughs) I was like can we go up and down the staircase to the game room (laughs) like I, I just loved it I thought it was so cool but Leah's like we need to move we need to move we need to be somewhere that's wheelchair accessible, which I think Leah has just like latched on to something at this point, right? Like this is really common. You get bad news, you get hard news, and you focus on one thing that you can control. And for her, it's moving. Um, Corey, we get a scene of Corey Miranda talking about it. And he says, you know, it's going to take three months for the DNA results. And he says, But once that's done, I don't want her getting any more tests. He's like, if they don't find out the answer, that's it. I don't care. He says he doesn't want her to become dependent on the wheelchair. And I'm like, did a social worker talk to these people when they got this information? Was there a hospital social worker that came up to them? Because Corey needs, Corey needs to talk to somebody. (laughs) Oh, I can, I think it's a natural reaction the way that he's feeling, but it's not a good one. Because he wants Allie to have a normal childhood. He wants Allie to be normal. He wants her to live like a normal child. And he keeps talking about softball. So Lee, Leah's stepdad, comes over. And Leah's showing him this property that's 40 minutes away from where they live now. And it's a farm. And Leah starts talking about how they need to move to a farm because she wants Allie to do equine therapy. And they need to have a place where they can own horses. Okay. This is the craziest fucking shit. (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about? First of all, Allie's never done equine therapy at this point. She's never done it. Second of all, why does a horse need to be at your home? (laughs) You can go to a barn to do said therapy. There was a video recently that Leah posted. All the girls ride and... um. There was a scene of Allie, a scene, a clip of Allie on the horse, like, trotting. And I guess the way they do it with people with disabilities is they have somebody, like, lead the horse. And Aaliyah's leading the horse. And it it made me cry, honestly. It made me cry seeing them do that. Like, Allie on the horse, looking so happy. Aaliyah, like, leading her. Oh, it was really lovely. But Leah deciding 
that not only do they need a new home, but it needs to have space for horses that they do not own for a therapy that Ellie has never done is incredible. <laughs> Lee's like, what? <laughs> and then he says to her, he says, you want to move 40 minutes away from me and mom? He said, that seems like it doesn't make a ton of sense. Why would you want to do that? He's like, you have so much support here. If you're 40 minutes away, it's going to be so much harder for people to come out. And he's absolutely right. But Leah's like, it's fine. It's fine. This is what I want to do. Oh, Leah. Making choices that make no sense the whole time she's on this fucking show. So she has a drop off, which, of course, an important life conversation happens because all of her important life conversations happen in parking lots, as we all know. And she tells Corey that they're going to be moving. And Corey's like, that's really far. And she's like, it's not that far. But we want to have horses. So we need to live there. And he's like, okay, so how is that going to work? And she's like, well, before we move, I'm going to get Allie enrolled in school here. And Corey's like, well, what about Aaliyah? And she's like, well, no, Aaliyah isn't going to start school until next year. And Corey's like, well, why? Why? And like kind of being like, I don't want that to happen. And Leah's like, well, they told me I need to enroll her. And she doesn't explain it clearly. Corey seems to understand what she's saying, but to the audience, it's not explained clearly. But I'm assuming whoever she gets services from told her that Allie needs to like start getting services from the state. And like one way to do that is through school would be my guess. And that she can enroll for school at the, at a certain age earlier than her sister that does not have the same needs as her. And Corey's like, well, I don't think we should do this. And Leah's like, well, they said we have to. And Corey goes, well, what about what we say? Oh, Corey. This is when he drops the bomb that he doesn't want there to be any more testing. He's like, I don't think we should be doing more tests. And Leah's like, Corey, we have a child with muscular dystrophy. She needs more stuff than Gracie. Like, you need to accept this. And Corey's like, I don't know. I don't know. And then Leah says, do you think Allie's going to be able to draw her name? It's so weird. That is a weird way to say it. A weird way to ask. I don't know. Corey goes, yes. Yes, I do. I really do. And Leah then is like, you need to accept this. She says, it's not a cold, Corey. It's not going to be over in a week. And this is when Corey straight up tells her that he thinks it's nothing. Leah is flabbergasted. She goes, Corey, you don't know how to deal with your emotions. Straight up. I was like, good for you, Leah. Good for you. So that's it for these season five, episode three and four. Go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. Let's talk Selena Gomez. Let's talk Sister Wives. I think I'm going to do a House of Carter episode soon. Um, I have a bunch of stuff that I want to do. America's Next Top Model I'm going to do a wife swap episode. I have stuff lined up. So patreon.com slash Liz Explains. If not, I'll talk to you all next week. Have a good one. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.